Welcome back to the Progress Podcast. This week, we're continuing our series where we're doing things a little bit different. Uh, Tom's going to be interviewing me this week. It's part of a three-part series. We want you guys to know a little bit more about us and what we do. So for lack of a better phrase, we'll just jump into it. Well, Jack, we've just come straight off the back of recording my episode. Uh, You're doing them both at once. We are doing them both. No, we are going to tell you that. You can get a peek behind the curtain. But, (laughs) Jack, one of the things that I love about interviewing our guests is getting a picture painted for us of how they ended up where they are today. I would love for you to do the same. So paint a picture for me and for the guests of where you've come from and how that influences what you're doing now. Radio. Well, I feel uh, like it was such a formal question. Feels like yeah, it was formal. a formal question. Uh, <laughs> I'm not a formal guy, so um, no, fair enough. I guess I'll, I'll take it straight back. Um, I was uh, born here in Christchurch, beautiful city, love the city. Um, born in a family of four, so um, mum, dad, brother. Um, born in the fantastic suburb of Limwood. Shout out to everyone who lived there. Limwood. Limwood. Um, but no, it was um, an, an interesting life growing up. Um, so my dad and my mum were both pretty blue-collar workers. So mum was a nurse. Um, my dad worked in civil construction on the roads. And um, basically, uh, the two of them worked their way up from their respective positions. So uh, growing up, we were like very, very lucky, very, very blessed by what my family were able to provide us. Um, they put a lot of time and effort into me and my brother. Um, you know, I think they, my dad always talks about this. When we were really young, my mum would work night shifts. He would work throughout the day and pretty much it was dad gets home, takes the baby off my mum, mum goes to work, she goes to work and they just swapped. Um, so they put in... Man so much hard work for for me and my brother to have the lives we have um but pretty much went to school at a a tiny little place called Hillview Christian School um some fantastic memories there um really really small little like it's a small school to be in not the center of Christchurch but like pretty close just under the hill pretty close um so that's where I spent most of my time growing up um eventually transitioned to um to high school Middleton Grange and um, I suppose that's really where I would start to contextualize where I'm at now. I mean, you do a lot of growing while you're at school, but I don't think there's too, too much that has a, a fundamental impact on where you, I guess, start working, if that makes sense. Mm. Maybe I'm completely wrong there, but... Yeah, well, I guess I, one thing I'd love to focus on, and maybe it's not a callback yet, but it's the, the marrying of those two, right? Like your high school years, but also like your home life alongside that as well. Yeah. So um, I guess too, so as I, as I got up through high school, my parents worked their way up through their respective jobs and, you know, things um, definitely got better for us as, as we grew. And um, I got to the end of my high school um, and that was probably one of the most sort of start of the defining years for me as I was approaching the high school Thought I was going to be a doctor. Um, again, familiar. yeah, doesn't it just? <laughs> uh, obviously, I'm not. So I didn't actually know that about you until a couple of weeks ago. I can't remember yeah. which guest you said that with, but that was yeah, it was always my perception of like, oh man, like you know, we grew up 
kind of tough and you know through hard work and stuff you can work your way up well if i'm a doctor i get paid fantastically from the start and i can i can build an awesome life and um money was the the only pursuit there i'd never really thought of it beyond then but anyway throughout that that year in high school um that was one of the things that i realized i actually don't want to do that um thankfully i realized that before i finished school and started you know trying to figure out what i wanted to do but it was pretty late um, and it was also during that year that um, my mum first got diagnosed with breast cancer, which was um, really, really tough uh, for my family. But, um, yeah, one of the things that, that happens that you kind of roll with. Mm. And it's also when I um, started dating my now wife. So huge year for me, actually. Massive year. Massive year. So I, I got to the end of high school and I decided, oh, I'm not going to do medicine. I actually have no idea what I want to do with myself. And Which I guess in itself yeah. is a, just for like the New Zealand context, right? Especially when you've got friends here in Christchurch and your whole plan was to like move away. A lot of people leave Christchurch for university. That's quite a tough decision in itself because you almost feel like you're falling out of the peer group. Yeah. Oh, exactly. I mean, a majority of my, my close circle at the time was staying here and um, that sort of cement, they knew what they wanted to do, you know, um, Josh wanted to go off and be a musician, so he was going to jazz school. Josiah wanted to do graphic design. He was off to um, study graphic design. Um, I did have another friend, uh, Luther, who was going to go down to um, Dunedin as well, and he was definitely far more committed to it than I was. You know, he, he was already confirmed to go down there, but he unfortunately got into a, a really bad um, motorbike accident and um, very nearly died. But he did eventually go down, and you know, he's on his way to being a dentist now, so... Go on, you Lou. <laughs> <laughs> last year. La yeah. Last year. Yeah, he's in his last year. Man, dude has been studying for forever. Appreciate it. But anyway, I didn't know what I wanted to do. At the time, I kind of started to get into the, the culture of fashion. It was the people I surrounded myself with were interested in this kind of stuff. And, you know, I'd started saving up all the money I'd earned from working in the school holidays and, you know, that kind of thing. And, and, blowing every cent on designer clothing which is the dumbest thing <laughs> i probably ever could have done year 13 student buying balenciagas and yeah i like how yeezys uh, and <laughs> i actually won a pair of yeezys too that was pretty big that is huge that was that was big for a young 18 year old boy interested in fashion um if you want to see jack's interest in fashion play out you can actually go back to just jackson smith on oh don't and look at the old grid Please there was some good stuff it. on there. There is some good grit on there, man. Yeah, you know, I did a few. Um, man, where are we? Where are we? Right, so I went, maybe this thing that I'm interested in, maybe I could get a career there. So um, went off to a, an open day at ARA and found out about their fashion program and went, pretty much, yeah, bugger it. So I, um, I've always been a guy who kind of went with the flow of things and... Um, been very gifted with an ability to just kind of roll with the punches and keep moving and just kind of flow through life, if that makes sense. Um, I never let anything keep me down too long or um, I never, I try not to overthink too many things. That's probably changed, to be honest. But anyway, so I started studying fashion. Um, I was, again, very blessed. The, the intake was full, but... Um, through serendipity, a, a friend of mine had also applied for the course and basically her mom campaigned to get her daughter in and somehow that let me get in as well. 
which was awesome. So there, there you go. I'm, I'm studying fashion and um, I did, yeah, three-year degree. Uh, in my second year, I was lucky enough to get to go down to the Hokanui Fashion Awards, which is this awesome fashion show down in uh, Gore of all places. If you don't know, right New at the bottom of New Zealand. Yeah, it is like the tiniest little town. Uh, we have great family friends who live there for yonks, so um, it was cool to go down and see them. But this international fashion show down in Gore, and uh, I managed to win the the Young Designer of the Year for an avant-garde crazy outfit I designed. Can you describe the outfit? Because also incredible achievement, but I think the the outfit itself was pretty spectacular. Yeah, so um, essentially around the time I was doing this, the, the Met Gala had just been on and they did a whole theme around Catholicism and the Catholic Church and stuff. And I went, what if I put a stained glass window on the back of a garment and basically tried to make a cathedral style thing? I feel like we need uh, to put a link to the to a photo of this in the description. I have, yeah, yeah. I have no idea where you could find an image of it anywhere. I've I've looked. I got no idea. <laughs> they, but, they fully like toured it round and everything. There was photos, and I was just like, "Oh, that's pretty cool." And didn't save a single thing. Um, <laughs> terrible way. <laughs> that's mad. Uh, but it's I up to the big win. Yeah, I know. Well, I still have the little um the little trophy they gave me sitting in my spear room. Yeah, how about that? Dream. It is cool. But no, so yeah, this big weird black cathedral because um, you know the um, I forget the name of the the big cathedral over in Spain. What's well, been the Duomo? Oh, the um, the La Sagrada de Familia. That's the one. There you go. I was never going to get that. But um, essentially, like the, these old cathedrals, they kind of get this like black kind of appearance because of all the soot and all the grime that just amasses on them over hundreds of years. So the whole idea was make that kind of the exterior, but have this big, beautiful stained glass window on the back, which I made laser cut. Um, my wonderful mother actually painted, like hand painted this. So I'd like basically created this design, laser cut the design into this big piece of perspex, put it in this wooden frame. And then um, my mom was an incredibly talented artist. So she, you know, got the these glass paints out, painted this thing. Um, I definitely couldn't have done it without my mum. Uh, don't know if I, if it still counts that it was me. I mean, I designed it. I gave her all the colours. It was the, the design was already there. She just coloured it in, but she was fantastic at it. That's so. <laughs> cool. I didn't actually know that you did that with your mum. I yeah. think that makes it a lot more special as well. Actually, when it yeah. Got oh, definitely. I, um, you know, definitely looking back now, I'm, I'm thankful for all the times I, I got to spend my mum uh, with my mum, and and doing that kind of stuff with her. Really, really grateful for that. Um, but anyway, moving on from there, I kind of, yeah, came to the end of my fashion degree. Um, we did a, did a few fashion shows. Um, I did a fashion show afterwards um, where I presented some of the stuff I'd made there. Um, but I came to the end of my study right as COVID hit. And wow. that, yeah, that was tricky, really tricky to navigate. Um, Especially but, in an industry like that, which I guess within... Christchurch specifically, the job scene's already pretty scarce. Well, I look at it as a blessing now. So at the time, I remember one of the, uh, gosh, she was the director for Zambezi. She was one of the judges for our interview fashion show. And um, she came up and spoke to me at the end. And um, 
Shout out to everyone who did fashion. She said mine was the best. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> nah, everyone, honestly, there it's are some a big people, win. There are some people in my year who are doing insane stuff, like um, World of Wearable Arts, like incredible. I know someone went off and worked for Disney, like awesome stuff. Incredible, incredible. I'm not going to toot my own horn. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, she um, she talked to me. I went, oh my gosh, I now have this awesome contact. I got an email and it was around sort of December, January. I was like, I need to email this woman for a job. So I was kind of pretty lazy, to be honest. I didn't send that email anywhere near quick enough. And I had a trip over to Australia plan with the family. And I was like, well, it's probably not a great time to start a job anyway. Move, cut, uh, move cities as well. So I was like, oh, when I get back, I'm going to be on that job hunt. I'm going to try and use these contacts, see if there's anything out there for me in Auckland. But of course, while I'm over in Australia, uh, a little virus starts spreading around the world. And I didn't think anything of it. I get home and... That blasted pangolin <laughs> or bat. Yeah, who would have thought? Uh, get home and within three days, the country's locked down. Wow. Yeah, pretty huge. So there we are. We're in COVID. Um, What's this like March 2020? March 2020. Far out. So at this point, you know, I'm... Still living with my parents, uh, no job, just finished uni in fashion. And I'm going, I'm screwed. There's not going to be any jobs anywhere in this anytime soon. But um, I, I rolled with the punches and through just some communications through church, I managed to get a job um, at a trust, um, which was just the most amazing thing. Um, I was ad adamant I'm not going on the dole. Um, like I can do stuff. If there's any way I can be working throughout this lockdown or you know, find something, I need to do it. I think that in itself is in incredible, especially like a trait from you as well as your, your nature for like work and your mm. love for just doing something and having purpose. Like a lot of people during that phase could have, mm. and not saying there's anything wrong with this, but could have gone on and taken the wage subsidy and gone on the dole and and sort of taken that benefit, mm. but you really sort of actively want to be doing something. Yeah. So, um, yeah, basically I um, got in touch with uh, this amazing dude, Phil, uh, Phil Tikar, shout out to you, Phil, uh, the Positive Directions Trust. And they, so I was the only person out of pretty much all the people they put this job out to who got back mm. to them. They said, oh, we're kind of looking for like a, you know, a woman in her 40s just to do some admin for us someone who's had some experience in that. And I said, well, that's not me, but I'll give it my best shot. I'll, I've got nothing else going on. The least I can do is try for you guys. So they said, okay, we'll give you a shot. So basically within that two week period, I learned how to navigate the, the role of uh, a database of hundreds of people who were all basically needing food delivered to them through COVID. <clears throat> and a team of people who are out there on the ground delivering food to people locked in their homes who couldn't afford food, who were stuck. Um, and yeah, it somehow worked out. Uh, the team was incredible. So um, I basically, yeah, was able just to work from home, navigate these, these calls of um, you know, talking to people who were in these bad situations, being able to uh, communicate with all the team members to, to get that food delivered to them. And um, yeah, we, we were able to do some really awesome work through that. Mm. Um, and as a few weeks went on, month went on, um, pretty much I sat down with Phil and he was like, 
we want to keep you on. We want to, you know, find new new role, new jobs for you, new roles for you. So um, I ended up kind of getting a bit into that social work myself and was um, doing kind of that hands-on stuff of delivering food to a lot of people who needed it, um, sitting down with families, hearing the struggles they were facing and um, got to do some really awesome stuff um, within the whole sort of Māori um, sphere of social work. Um, so PDT is um, within that whole realm in, in the social work space. And um, man, did I have some awesome, awesome teaching. They're investing so much into their people in that space. And um, yeah, I just had so many privileges to, to get along to Marae and um, I know take part in, in that culture of care. Um, I remember you talking effort. to me a lot about um, <clears throat> about this when you were in that space, mm. especially getting to spend time with Māori on Marae. And I think that that's a pretty unique part of your story because a lot of people don't, A, get to experience that or B, sort of recognise the amazing value that that can have, especially from mm. an outside perspective where you haven't experienced that before. Yeah, I, I had no experience and I was, I was so welcomed in by... Um, Phil and his team and, and just welcomed into into everything um, and yeah it was it was strange I there's this whole part of uh, I guess New Zealand's history New Zealand's culture that I didn't realize existed and that's pretty crazy to re- like to come to this realization as a you know 19 what would I have been 20 21 years old um, but it was an incredible experience and Anyway, moving on sort of through that, I, I did the social work for about eight months. Awesome, awesome teaching, um, fantastic mentorship from Phil. And I kind of got to the point where things started to normal out after COVID. Um, and I went, well, I still want to pursue fashion. So this may have been, it was at your wedding. It was. You put me in touch with Sean Gray, um, fantastic guy, I still work with him today. I remember um, Stan this was when we got back from like the photos and at the reception, yeah. I was like, I've got to introduce you to someone. <laughs> and for the context, I'd like worked with Sean when I worked in retail ages and ages ago, like on oh, my gap year and Sean and I had stayed super close. And I was like, I just know Jack and him need to, to meet cause I'll hit it off. And we did. It was good. Sean was a little cut at the time. Uh, <laughs> you know, this is, this is, this is your wedding. It was like nine was, at night. I was going to say he's a few wines deep. That's and it was right. basically like, Hey man, nice to meet you. I'm Tom's friend. Um, I know you work for um, basically a tailoring company, working style. I would love a job. And he was like, we are hiring. So sure, let's tee up an interview. Um, interviewed, managed to do pretty well in my like Barker's suit that I got from year 12 formal. Let's go. Uh, you know, <laughs> and uh, I guess for the context as well, like you said tailoring company. This is one of New Zealand's more well-known menswear yeah. tailoring brands, upper echelon end. So, yeah, um, I wonder if they were impressed in my Barker suit. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, so then there I am welcomed into, into that team. And, man, that was a, a pretty defining year. I forget how long I was there. It may, it may have been a year, year and a half. Yeah, something like that. Or something around there. Something Over around a year. There. But yeah, here essentially I am in this space of, okay, I'm working within the industry, but I'm, I'm still doing retail. But it's a very different experience working in the high-end suiting industry where every client I have is a business owner, a lawyer, 
someone who has worked their way to the top and can afford the luxury of getting tailor-made suits. But what kind of took me back is I met some really awesome people throughout that year and a half, um, the clients of Working Style, who were so willing to share their story and basically just impart information onto a complete stranger just because we had the connection of, hey, I'm hemming your trousers. Yeah. <laughs> Which, it really blew me away. And it was my first introduction into what is, I guess, the ecosystem that we live in, um, or this business ecosystem. Um, it was really cool. And I suppose um, something to contextualize too is uh, a huge part of, of my whole journey, and like you said, it's this, this desire to work. Back when I was um, studying, we'd worked really, really long hours during study. Uh, the fashion degree in Christchurch is brutal for time. I spent three months working 13, 14 hours a day. I remember wake up at five, get to course at six, leave at 12 or one. Did that for three months. <clears throat> Awful. The only thing that got me through that was listening to like motivational podcasts. <laughs> and it's actually where I first got the desire to do a podcast is like, I attribute so much of what got me through that time. It was dark. It was awful. Way back at fashion school. What was yep. that like seven, seven years ago? Seven years ago. Was listening to, I still remember it. It was, um, I think it was Kevin Hart on Joe Rogan at some point. I was listening to um, this, this podcast from a, a church in Portland. Um, I listened to motivational speakers on repeat for a whole day. That was the most productive day I've ever had in my life. I remember leaving, I didn't take my headphones out the whole day, I didn't say a word to anyone. I left at one in the morning, I feel like it was around one, it was around 12. Walking back across the train tracks to my car, like screaming into the sky, because I just had the most like productive day ever. That's so good, man. Yeah, anyway, that's that was the original, um, I guess, where the seed was planted that one day hopefully I get to do that myself. So circling back to working style, I'm having these amazing conversations, getting fed into the kind of way that people do on a podcast. And it was one of the working style clients who um, introduced me to 75 Hard, um, a challenge that has gone around the internet, uh, very, very popular. I know a lot of people have done it. And he is essentially, I'd seen this guy maybe three months before and then just saw him again, completely different person. It's like so much happier, had lost a crazy amount of weight. He told us he'd, he'd grown his business twice the size within doing 75 hard. So in 75 days, he doubled the size of his business. I was like, okay, whatever you've done, I need to do it. So I started 75 hard, I think the next day or two days later. I never thought that would have become such a part of my identity. I think it was part of my identity for like two or three years. <laughs> it definitely was. And it's only just now that I'm like, shucks, do I need to do it again so that I'm reminded? Don't know. But it was, it was life-changing. The I, biggest I, 75 hard hype man there is. Absolutely. If you haven't done it, do it because it will change your effing life. This is our podcast, so it will change your fucking life. Uh, no, it's <laughs> epic. And that, that was the same time I discovered probably David Goggins as well. And it was like... Who's going to carry the Those boats? two things in conjunction, I'm like, wow, I am just a, I am an average white dude in my 20s, aren't I? Those are the two things. Jack and my mate, <laughs> our mate, Theo, just turned into... Mongrels. Mongrels. 
the hype man. We loved it. I knew Theo was the only person who would do it with me if well, I mentioned Theo. Um, both of us finished it. Um, we had another mate who gave it a go. A uh, few of them actually didn't quite make it, but they put in huge efforts. 75 hard really shaped both of us, I think. Huge, huge mindset shifts. Um, one awesome thing that happened throughout it is I was never a runner before. Mm-hmm. Um, the last thing I did on 75 hard, the last day I said, oh, I want to run a half marathon. So I did a half marathon. Epic. I was so stoked that I went, I reckon I do a full one. So two days later, I went out and ran a full marathon. <laughs> which Insane. Is Insane. Um, no, it was awesome. But the, the 75 hard did the trick. It fully had shaped my mind to realize I'm so much more capable than I ever was before. I think one of the things about 75 hard, which we discussed a wee bit, is it doesn't necessarily create long-term sustainable habits. Absolutely not. But it does create a shift in mindset and helps you understand your capacity. Fully agree with that. And it did, and I didn't realize just how impactful that shift had been. But right as that finished, um, this was in October, I believe, my, um, my birthday came up a few days or maybe a week after that, and that was the day that my mum got diagnosed with full cancer basically everywhere so this is years on from her first diagnosis we've gone all the way through the process she'd gone into mm-hmm. remission and um yeah it was on um on my birthday uh gosh i must have turned 22 23 mm-hmm. um yeah rocked up to the dinner really stoked i think i'd gone and done a big run that morning as well um super excited to see the family and everyone was just crying mm. That's probably one of the most harrowing experiences of my life. Journeying through through that that night. Um, yeah, I always look back and go, sharks. What a birthday present. Yeah. But anyway, life life continued. Um, and I I had developed this this new mindset and I, I definitely attribute that doing 75 hard to how well I was able to journey through this time. So I kept, you know, doing the best to support my family. I was able to spend, I, I worked a job where I had Tuesday, Wednesdays off, and I spent those days with my mum pretty much every week, which was just like the biggest gift that I ever mm. could have had. So that was so awesome. I'm so grateful that my job allowed that at the time. But um, yeah, as I say, this mind shift, mindset shift had happened and I know I couldn't be working retail anymore. There was no perceivable future in fashion at, at the time. So I went, maybe I'll go be a firefighter. Um, Also, I just proposed to my wife. Um, Life was pretty crazy for like a few months. My mum was massively going downhill, so spending a lot of time with family, applying to be a firefighter, trying to plan a wedding. Um, I I remember catching up with you a wee bit during that time and just how absolutely chaotic life seemed. Yeah, looking back, I don't know how I got through that, man. It was crazy. Um, But... I was able to marry my beautiful wife. Um, my mum was fortunately able to uh, see our wedding. Um, she passed away a few weeks later. Um, I didn't become a firefighter because around the time I was going through that process, uh, a job did come up in fashion, which is what I'm doing now um, as the the designer for, for Cutler & Co. Uh, heritage menswear brand, been around 30 years, based in Christchurch basically a unicorn uh, that I never would have thought existed. Yeah. So all of this happened within the space of three months. Um, 
I think Haley and I got married. We were engaged for like three, four months. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think one of the things yeah, I'd love to quickly it. touch on before you sort of go through into what you're doing now, because it's really, you know, it's easy to brush over that period. One of the things I'd like to highlight is, you know, you met Haley right at the time of your mum's first diagnosis. Yeah. And so she's sort of been through with you on that whole journey. Um, I'd love you to just sort of speak to that whole journey and how that translates into what you do now. Like what was the sort of biggest learning over that time of you wanted to be a doctor, you've gone through this crazy journey mm. of fashion and figuring out what you were sort of passionate about. And you've also had all of these radical changes through that time. What was the biggest takeaway? Um, I think the biggest takeaway is it takes more than one person to get something done. You know, I, I would often put a lot of stuff on myself, work harder, push through it, and it would always end up with me coming into a, a crashing pile. And there is a level of personal effort that you can put in, but at some point you need to rely on those people around you. Mm. People who are able to be stronger than you at, at the time, people who are able to give you more wisdom, and um, you need to lean on the people who want to support you. So uh, I guess, yeah, to, to encapsulate the, the story, and, um, and we're running out of time for this, my journey has been one of learning how to deal with, uh, I guess, the pressures within oneself, the desire to work and work really hard and the whole psychology that surrounds that. It fascinates me and it's what fascinates me about all our guests is I want to understand why and how they do what they do. And, you know, I think back to me studying or basically sewing for hours and hours on end, listening to all these amazing people and what they've done. I got so much value learning about what's possible that it was a real dream for me to be able to see someone else in my position who may not know everything they're capable of, but there's an ability for them to learn what they're capable of. And that's, that's essentially why I'm here. I think there mm. is too many good stories. There is too many people with incredible insights to not tell them. You know what I mean? And where we come in is we're learning to be the storytellers. And that's what I've learned about doing this podcast is it doesn't matter how much information and how much of a, I guess, life you've built if you can't share it and pass it on. I think that's such a great way to encapsulate the journey, right? Mm. Because being able to share in the experience with other people is kind of a theme, like you talked about, how winning that award of the Young Designer of the Year was great, but you got to do it with your mum. Mm. And you know that the value, if you want to get something done, you have to surround yourself with the right people to do it. You know, it, it's very much a community relational focus. That's kind of been the theme through everything you've done, whether that's fashion all the way through to the work that you did in um, social welfare. Yeah. It's, it's all about people and people are the most important thing. And one thing I've learned from doing this too is every successful venture, every um, fantastic leader, boss, 
cares deeply for the people that work around them. And um, yeah, that's hopefully what we can do here is, is build that community um, of people that we care about and do that, create the mission and um, input into a lot of people's lives in a way we couldn't if we didn't have this platform. Same for our guests. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's giving them the platform as well. Absolutely. To inspire people like you and I. Mm. We leave inspired every time. It's great. We, do. we really do, which is so, so exciting that we get to be in the same room as these people. That's it. That's it that for the it. week. Um, Meanage Bobinage, week two of homework. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. I couldn't not. No, do. I love yeah. it. I love it. I uh, do enjoy it. I hope you got to get to know us a wee bit better as well. Mm. And also everything we do outside of what is the podcast, because I think that that inherently everyone's the main character in their own story, right? Yeah. And if we're not considering that when we're making this for other people, for you, then we're not going to be doing it right. I want to leave you with a Matthew McConaughey quote. The person you look up to, the hero in your story should be you in 10 years. It's not a direct quote, but it was in his book. It's great. That is a great quote. That's a great way to finish it. Thanks, Jack. It's a wrap. You have been listening to The Progress Podcast. We launch episodes every Friday. And if you want to know more about us and who we are and what we do, you can visit our website, theprogresspod.com. You can listen wherever you get your podcasts. So tune in on your favorite podcast channels or head to our YouTube to see what we're up to in the studio. We'd also love to hear your feedback. So send your burning questions, your guest suggestions, and your feedback to hello at theprogresspod.com.